0: Hey everybody welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works this is Chuck Smith and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up podcast hey everybody welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works this is Chuck Smith and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW's weekly podcast where we cover all of the latest and greatest news and it was another crazy week of course Bayern Munich had a successful weekend Uh, with its big win over armenia billefeld and normally you might say why are you saying it's a big win it is armenia after all but in reality the stage of the season we're in Bayern needed those three points they came out put forth a very dominant effort took care of business and that is what fans had wanted to see for quite a while Uh, Maybe Bayern didn't score as much as many fans would have liked, but it was thoroughly dominant, and it will set the stage nicely for Bayern to be able to clinch another Bundesliga title if they can get past Borussia Dortmund this week with a win. Three points will do it. Of course, that will be the focus for a lot of people, but we're here to talk about all of the news, and it was yet another crazy week for news we see things pop up every week that surprise us, and this week was no different. So let's hit the format, and we'll go with the five things that we learned this week. And the first thing that really popped up to me is that Julian Nagelsmann has submitted a request for a right back, a defensive midfielder, and an attacker, which is very interesting to me, and we'll cover that in a second. But Nogglesman wanting to be involved in the squad planning is something that I've been waiting to see. Uh, Obviously, he did not get the reinforcements that he wanted during the winter transfer window and had to basically go with a squad that he felt was not quite complete. And as we could see against Villarreal, as we could see during some of the matches during the second half of the season, Nagelsmann might have been right in thinking that he needed a little more depth. But as for the three positions he requested, right back or right wing back, however you want to phrase it, depending on what position uh, Nagelsmann will employ next year with his formation. It looks like that one is pretty close to being filled. Nassar Masraoui, of course, from Ajax, looks like he is going to make the move. We have seen a ton of reports stating that it, everything is done. It's just a formality at this point. Masraoui is, of course, a free transfer this summer and will be moving on uh, from Ajax unless something crazy changes. But with Eric Ten Hag also moving on and taking the Manchester United job, it just seems like a natural breaking point for Mesraeli to move on, and take the next step of his career. And it seems very unlikely that FC Barcelona is going to be able to get right back into the mix for the in the bidding for Mesraeli. So I think the right back slash right wing back position is one that's going to be filled neatly. Now, for defensive midfielder, I found this curious because just about as soon as we saw this rumor break, we also saw the news that Bayern Munich is interested and Arbe Leipzig defensive midfielder Conrad Leimer. Of course, the Austrian was rumored to be on Bayern Munich's transfer radar last summer when Nagelsmann made his move. The one roadblock for Leimer to make a move to Bayern Munich is that Arbe Leipzig has no interest in dealing with Bayern Munich at this point. After losing Dio Upamecano, after losing Julian Nagelsmann, after losing Marcel Sabitzer, It seems like Leipzig is just about done dealing with Bayern. And given that Limer's contract runs through 2023, Leipzig conceivably could just sit on that contract and let him walk away for free in the summer of 23. So this whole situation with Limer is going to be very interesting. Both Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich are are rumored to have interest in him. It, It is also rumored that he would prefer a move to Bayern Munich over Borussia Dortmund. So... There are a lot of pieces at play here. Uh, it would seem that Leipzig is more willing to do a deal with Dortmund, and I guess that's a possibility. But with this being a situation at Bayern Munich where there's smoke, there's likely fire. Uh, we did see those reports last summer. This is—it's not a shock that Limmer would want to play for Nagelsmann again. Nagelsmann is supposedly a very big fan of Limmer, and including. His ability to tackle and win balls in the midfield. But where would Limer fit? And this is where I get a little perplexed because I look at Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich and I don't see anyone breaking into that double pivot there. No one is displacing them. Uh, at least no one attainable is displacing them in my mind. But if Limer were to break in, how would he be used? And would he accept being a sub behind Kimmich and Goretzka? That's something I don't know. And what we've seen, of course, with Marcel Sabitzer is that not every midfielder coming over from our Bay Leipzig is quite capable of making that switch from being a starter to being a sub and I think it's taken a big toll on Sabitzer who we'll talk about a little bit later and I'm not quite sure Limer could make that adjustment as well so for Limer, I think he's at an age where he needs to be on the field he needs to be playing and I'd be shocked if he would find you know, coming to Bayern Munich and consistently sitting behind Kimmich and Goretzka to be an appealing prospect. Now, what we know about Kimmich is that he never comes off the pitch and it would be impossible, I think, for Nagelsmann to get him off the field. I should probably finish with that because that could have a totally different context and a different conversation. But I think it would be a problem for Nagelsmann to tell Kimmich, hey, you need to sit down because Kimmich, quite frankly, is a psychopath and doesn't listen to anyone. As for Goretzka. He's been often injured this year. He's had a consistent history of nagging injuries. So I could see why Byron wants to have a better option behind him. I just don't know that you can get someone like Limer who is young, aggressive, and, and definitely goal-oriented. So uh, I don't know that Limer would be a fit from that standpoint, though it would not shock me if at some point Byron does land him because of the connection with Nagelsmann and Limer. And it just seems like that Nagelsmann Wants to bring Limer in. The warning I would give you is Nagelsmann also wanted Sabitzer, and that has been a complete train wreck of a transaction for Bayern Munich. So hopefully, if Limer does move to Bayern, it's a much more successful venture. Finally, that rumored, I guess, want of an attacker is very interesting to me. And what it tells me is that Nagelsmann isn't so sure that Serge Ganabri is coming back. And Serge is another player we'll touch on in a bit, but to bring in another player, if, if Nagelsmann truly is running that 3-4-2-1, you're looking at Thomas Muller, Jamal Musiala, Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, Paul Vonner, Gabriel Vidovich. Those are just six players that are expected to be on the roster next season. That does not include Gnabry. So I'd be shocked to see any – I'd be really shocked to see anyone come and break into that mix – it would be interesting to me to see who Byron would target to come in. Like who would want to be there? Like you could look at any established player could look at Bonner and Vidic and say, all right, well, one or two, one or both of those players could get loaned. Both of those players are extremely young. So I certainly could get playing time over them, but then you're over them, but then you are still having to face the prospect of Muller, Musiala, Coman, Sané, and perhaps Gnabry. It just, it just doesn't seem likely. So, with the request for an attacker, I'm thinking that Byron might go to the bargain bin, maybe get a free transfer, a veteran coming off of a decent season who might be able to accept a lesser role, but one who could be dependable and affordable. Uh, so I guess that's a prospect, but I, I really couldn't even pinpoint who Byron would target. Now, there are people that are focused on getting uh, Christopher and Kunku, but from our bay Leipzig, but I don't I don't see that as, as reasonable or likely. One, because Leipzig doesn't want to deal with Bayern. Two, because Mkunku is just going to command too much money uh, in terms of a transfer fee, and I can't see Bayern paying that. So uh, Nagelsmann could get two out of three. He might only get one out of three of those requests. I, I find it highly doubtful he's going to get an impact attacker and an impact defensive midfielder and an impact right wing back as part of his summer transfer hall. Now, maybe it happens, but I just can't see all three coming in addition to the club reportedly having a little bit different philosophy and perhaps wanting to bring in a center back. So there's a lot going on with that. I'm glad to see that Nagelsmann is submitting his requests mostly because when he doesn't get them, that'll be a big talking point for next season uh, because this will really follow kind of the trend that's happened with Nico Kovac and then with Hansi Flick where Those two coaches wanted players, could not get them, did not get them. Some of their uh, requests were ignored, and it ultimately caused conflict for both coaches in working with the front office. So I'm very interested to see how this plays out for Julian Nagelsmann. Second thing I learned this week was the whole Limer situation. And for Limer, it's kind of funny. We just talked about where he might fit into the squad. But when he's looking at these options between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, I don't see how he doesn't see Dortmund as a more attractive project for him. One, there's some turnover in the midfield there that would almost ensure that Limer would be able to get a starting role and be an impact player for that team at a time when that club is starting to turn over a little bit. Now, it's a shame that Erling Haaland is going to be moving on when he is because with some of the players that are expected to leave Bayern Munich, I'm sorry, Borussia Dortmund, it could open up a new era with the with the rumored acquisitions uh, well, acquisition of Nico Schlotterbeck, which has been back and forth in the media this week. We could see a revived backline featuring Sula Schlotterbeck and Manuel Kanji. Imagine having Mats Hummels as your fourth veteran center back, able to provide some leadership there. Uh, you could see the emergence of some younger players that that Borussia Dortmund has on the roster now that. Holland and some others might be moving on. So that that Borussia Dortmund project to me seems to be very intriguing, and I think it would attract a player like Limer. Although, like we talked about earlier, he does have that connection to Julian Nagelsmann. So we're going to definitely follow this one closely. I could also see Limer playing out the entirety of next season with Leipzig and leaving on a free transfer, just because for him. He'll be able to command more money, assuming he has a good season next year. And he would be able to pick and choose where he wants to go without any strings being attached. So I'm sure when push comes to shove and if he has to make a call, that's probably the favorite in his clubhouse right now because it gives him the most flexibility and the most control over his future. So at BFW, we will absolutely be tracking limer. The third thing that we learned about this week is that Robert Lewandowski's whole contract situation is extremely complicated and a big mess. (laughs) So you have the issue of uh, let's just start being you have the issue that Lewandowski wants a contract extension with Bayern Munich. I think that's pretty clear. This is not a situation where he's looking to leave. It seems like he wants to work out a deal. He also wants it to be on his terms. So he would like a three-year extension, which I believe, or I'm sorry, at least a two-year extension, which would carry him through 2025, potentially a three-year extension, which would put him through 2026. That really could be uh, something the club would be against, just given the fact that Lewandowski will be turning 34 this August. Uh, So that would seem unlikely. But getting the contract length aside, we've seen the stories that that Lewandowski wants as much, wants to be paid as much as 30 million euro per season, which is astronomical to any normal person. But being a world footballer, it's actually, I don't know, probably going right for a player who many would consider one of the top five on earth, and who I would say is probably the best on earth at this point. Um, So I'm not as concerned with having to pay that money, but then again, it's not a check I personally have to write. So I understand Bayern Munich's caution with having to have a player who makes that much and how much that could offset the team's budget for salaries. But I also understand Lewandowski saying like, I'm going to commit to you. This is going to be the last big deal uh, I want. I've put together an impressive track record that basically no one else can match, so I deserve it. So I see both sides of it. Ultimately, where I'm leaning right now is I think Lewandowski is going to work something out. I know Pini Zahavi is working hard to push him to FC Barcelona or to PSG. Um, Those just don't seem like, I don't want to say attractive options for Lewandowski, because certainly living in Spain and having that climate, that culture would be attractive for almost everyone. But I just don't think from a footballing standpoint that there are enough sure things with either PSG or FC Barcelona uh, to really lure Lewandowski there and make him happy. So while those are still good possibilities, um, I'm just not sure the reality of them. We've also seen that Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, they are all interested in Lewandowski. Those other candidates have just not been pushed as much as Barcelona and PSG by Zahavi. So again, Louis' situation, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that we're going to, to follow closely, but I feel like this is all going to be a big battle. It's going to be a big headache. And then ultimately he's going to work something out because I don't think he wants to leave. And whether it's a comfort, comfort thing or whether he just knows it's best for his career to stay at Bayern Munich, it just really feels like he's going to work this out. If perhaps he does leave all, or announces that he will leave, all bets are off and it's going to become a frenzy in terms of the teams that want to get involved with bidding on him. Uh, if it becomes determined he cannot work out a deal with Bayern Munich, he's going to have his pick of the litter of where he wants to go. So that will all be interesting and it will all be interconnected with Erling Holland and where he ends up. And, of course, what we learned this week for Holland is that he is likely headed to Manchester City. So we'll see if that goes official or not, but it does appear that City is one of the only clubs on earth that really can afford everything that Holland is asking for. And I probably shouldn't say what Holland is asking for; I should say what Mino Raiola is looking for because he is the one driving uh, that train, uh, really uh, that 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 train with nothing but cars filled with cash, because that's that's what he wants. Uh, the fourth thing we learned this week is something I touched on last week, and that's that Serge Gnabry legitimately could be done with Bayern Munich after the season. Now, I I said last week that I I announced last week that I'm finally on board with letting Serge Gnabry walk. And as much as I admire his talent and think that he's a good player and a well-respected member of the locker room, he's extremely popular with his teammates. It just seems like this isn't going to work out. I can look at Lewandowski's situation and I can see where the the term of the contract could be an issue three or four years or two years, whatever the two sides are bickering over. And I can see how maybe the salary is an issue, but I I feel like those are workable situations that the two sides will will be able to get together on the two things, driving Gnabry's uh, reluctance to sign a contract extension, his salary and his role on the team are two things. I don't know that can be reconciled. I don't know that Byron has, the funds in their salary budget to go above and beyond what they want to pay Serge Gnabry. He wants to be in that 15 million million euro per season range with Leroy Sane and Kingsley of I don't see it happening. And it has nothing to do with his talent. It actually, to, in my mind, has to just be that Sane was signed a couple, just a couple of years back and has more time left on his contract. And Coman signed an extension this year. It was a race. Gnabry lost that race to be one of the two players uh, that the team was going to allocate uh, that are really ex-wingers being forced into attacking midfielder roles for next season. Um, the absence of a true wing position in Nagelsmann's formation, plus the fact that Gnabry is extremely reluctant to play any wing back, uh, it, it, those that's just working against him. And I, like I said, I think it was a race. Ganabri lost it. Now he's on the outside looking in. The salary issue is big. I just don't think Byron is going to go there for Ganabri. Um, you know, he's been inconsistent, but a player with his talent, a player that has produced like him, it's tough to let someone like that go. The other part of this is something I just mentioned it's his role. According to the latest report by Sport1, Gnabry wants to be assured that he's going to be able to have a role centrally, that he's going to have not just a role, but an important role, meaning a starting role. And from an outsider's perspective looking in, I, I get that Ganabri views himself as a starter. I get why he would want to play centrally. Who the hell wouldn't want to play centrally um, if you are an attacking team like Bayern Munich? But... I don't know who he supplants in that starting lineup. Is he jumping over Thomas Muller? Is he jumping over Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman? Even Jamal Musiala in a central attacking role. With two attacking midfielder positions, I don't think Gennabry will ever be able to establish himself as a starter, at least in the next season or two, over Thomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, and Leroy Sané. I just I don't see it happening. Without the true wing positions, it's tough to really become a rotational player in, in that type of format. Muller barely comes off. Sané was excellent for the 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 large part of the season despite his recent slump. Coman has been pretty fantastic for the entirety. So while Gnabry has been very good, he maybe not as good as those three and then there could be more players coming in if if Nagelsmann gets that attacker that he wants. Plus you have Jamal Musial who is emerging and Byron is trying to move him everywhere just to find a way to keep him happy, but it's going to be hard to keep him on the bench as well. So all of this leads me to say, I like Serge Gnabry. I think he's a great player and I think it would be very sad for the team to like him, but I think it comes down to this. Uh, you have Sané locked up. You have Koman locked up long-term. You have Musiala locked up long-term and for Gnabry, uh, he's the odd man out right now. Uh, Thomas Muller's going to sign a contract extension. Then he's probably going to take a front office role with the club after his contract expires in 2025 or whatever. Um, So Gnabry for all intents and purposes might have played his last match with Bayern Munich at the end of the season. So uh, it would be a sad thing for a lot of people, Bayern Munich for a lot of fans, because if you followed Gnabry's whole progression, the way he revived his career after that you know, hideous stint at Arsenal, it's really remarkable what he's done and how he's fought back and, and really was able to fight through the perceptions about him and really have an excellent career. He is very good, and wherever he goes, he is going to be productive and score a lot of goals. So, uh, I mean, it's just an unfortunate case of timing, of staffing. And of a formation change, and and you know that's one of the things that that is, you know, people are going to have to look at because when all is said and done with Gnabry and all is said and done with Nagelsmann, they're going to look at the tactics that Nagelsmann deployed, the formations that he used, and for Gnabry it's going to be a matter of could he have done better than either Sane or Coman? And of course, we won't know the answers to those questions uh, for quite a few years. Oh, so you have all that right. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that we learned this week is that the departure of Marcel Sabitzer is becoming more and more likely and the two clubs that have emerged for Sabitzer are Arsenal and and Atletico Madrid both would seemingly be good options it remains to be seen though if Sabitzer actually wants to leave Germany there have there were definitely stories last summer before he made the move to Bayern Munich that he wanted to remain in Germany he has a very close knit family life I think that there are a lot of things important to Sabitzer, uh, not just football, not just the salary. So I'd be very curious to see if he was the type of player to make that jump and get his career back on track and, and be at a club where he might have a starting role. I think that would be more likely at Atletico Madrid rather than Arsenal. Arsenal to me is still, despite their success this year, still a bit of a mess with personnel and it might be tough to really go into what I would consider an unstable situation in that midfield. Uh, a, a wild card in this would be Manchester United, and that strictly goes to the Ralph uh connection there with Arbe Leipzig. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But Salvatzer, if he's entertaining the option to leave, will have some suitors. It's just a matter does he want to make the move. What we saw this week is that Bayern Munich is willing to take 15 million euro for him I don't even know if they would get that just because he has not played that much and he hasn't played that well when he has been on the pitch so these are all things that we will be monitoring at PFW but for Sabitzer a part of me would love to see him come back and 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 really establish himself and show the talent that he has but I just don't know if he's going to get that opportunity right I mean we looked at the spots that he could play already are you breaking through Kimmich and Gretzky in the midfield? Probably not. Are you are you good enough and attacking-minded enough to play one of those attacking midfield spots with Thomas Muller and Kingsley Coman and Jamal Musiala and Lovar Sané and Serge Gnabry, whoever? Probably not. And this is where I feel like it was just a – for as much as I like Sabitzer and I, I wanted him to make the move to Bayern Munich, it, I was really worried it wouldn't make sense back then. And, and you know, it's one of the few times that I'm – unhappy to be proven right about those concerns because I I didn't know if he could he could handle a sub role and he certainly has not handled that well so those are the major things that we learned this week of course you could you could talk about a bunch of things uh the other cool thing that that came up this week is that Bayern Munich will be headed back to the U.S. we had heard some stories that they would be playing Manchester City in Lambeau and while we haven't seen anything official on that We did see that Byron will be playing D.C. United, which is kind of cool. Normally, this is the kind of thing that I would be all over. Living in Philly, this is not too bad of a drive to Washington. It's about two and a half hours, so it wouldn't be super bad for me to head down to that. Unfortunately, I will not be in the state of PA at the time. I'll be in Florida. So um, that's disappointing on my end because I would have definitely made that trip as I did a couple of years back when Byron was in Philly and I went to uh, watch them play Juventus in what was uh, really just a complete uh, bleep show in terms of the players that were there. It was the world cup year. So of course, none of those players were there Uh, got to see Chris Richards debut, which was awesome. But uh, you know, it rained the whole night. Uh, Neither team really had that many of their quality players. I mean, Byron did have Ribery and Robin, Javi Martinez, David Alaba, I mean, there were good players there, but there wasn't enough depth. I mean, I don't even think most of the kids that played in that match from the youth teams are still even with the club. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how that goes. But I would anticipate because the World Cup is later in the year that you'll see a full Bayern roster if you are if you are going to those matches. And it's a great time. Anytime you're stateside and you get to see Bayern Munich play live, you should do it. So if you're anywhere near D.C., you should make that trip. If you are uh, in Wisconsin or in that area and, and the word comes out that it, that there will be a, a match at Lambo, you should do it. What I would guess is that Bayern has what they call the Audi Summer Tour, and then there's also the International Champions Cup, which is the larger – quote unquote competition, where we see a lot of the big Euro clubs travel globally and, and play at different venues. So I would assume that the match between mm. Bayern and DC United will be part of the Audi summer tour, while any potential match between Bayern and City would be part of the International Champions Cup. Uh, of course, like I said, that's rumored to be at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So um, again, if you haven't been to Green Bay, it's not like a major city, but it's Lambeau is awesome. I recommend taking the stadium tour. I had a great time when I was there. Uh, I thought it was a cool little town. I know it gets a bad rap by some people expecting some big bustling city, but it's a, it's a very unique environment for any professional sports team here in America. So If you uh, if Byron does play there and you head there, definitely check out the stadium tour among some other cool things that they have up in that area. Uh, The last thing I want to hit on is, is off the footy topic, and that is it was the return of Better Call Saul this week, which was awesome. And I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. I've been a huge fan of Better Call Saul since the beginning And I know that was a long episode. I know they had to cram a whole hell of a lot in there and I'm sure it confused and lost quite a few viewers, (laughs) but I thought that it was necessary to get a lot in to establish everything they need to establish for this season. And I think it's just going to be a great buildup to uh, what was really the beginning of breaking bad. And I thought the opening scene to better call saw, which was, Ultimately, the removal of everything from Saul Goodman's mansion, which I guess, given how the time uh, they time hop all over, I'm guessing that that was footage from when uh, Saul Goodman disappears at the near the end of Breaking Bad and uh, starts his new life working as a Cinnabon manager. And I believe it's Omaha can't remember the exact time but I think it's Omaha Nebraska so um highly recommend Better Call Saul if you were a big Breaking Bad fan and you haven't given Better Call Saul a a chance you need to okay and you need to start at the beginning and catch your way all up it's excellent uh I'm looking forward to seeing this this is really one of the first times I have been excited about a show in a long time so I'll be geeked up about it every week and I'll probably touch on it every week so uh you know, It's one of the, the few guilty pleasures I have, I guess. So, hey, uh, thanks again for listening. Appreciate every download you have of this podcast. As always, you can get me at The Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at BavarianFBWorks. You can get Tom at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And you can get Samarin Schnitzel on our site. Appreciate everything. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Derek Klassiker. If you were listening to this before the match, I predicted a 4-1 victory for Bayern in the preview show. So hopefully I'm right on that. We all get to have a happy weekend. Have a couple of beers on me and we will see you next time.